0: I'm trying to get a sense of how fast you go from zero to a million in ARR.
1: Yeah, I, so if we hit our targets, it'll be six-ish, nine-ish months total will get us from zero to a million. Okay, got um, it. And I, I think we're, based on this quarter, we're pacing toward that.
0: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. Hello everyone. My guest today is Bob Moore. He's a CEO and co-founder of Crossbeam, a collaborative data platform that helps companies build more valuable partnerships. He previously co-founded RJ Metrics, which was acquired by Magento and Stitch Data, which was acquired by Talent. Bob, you ready to take us to the top?
1: Yeah, great to be here.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to have you on after I saw a LinkedIn post where you did a great postmortem on RJ Metrics. Now you came on the show again, I want to say it was two or three years ago talking about RJ Metrics. So for people that missed that episode, just give us the quick overview. What did that company do?
1: Yeah. So we were a data analytics platform that mostly sold into e-commerce companies. So pretty much anybody who sells anything on the internet could have been our customer. And we helped them do analytics on their transaction data. So they could know things like customer lifetime value, study cohort analysis, and basically help find more customers like their existing most valuable customers.
0: Okay. And what year did you launch that? That was 2008, uh, the day Lehman Brothers collapsed, we launched that company. That's a heck of a time to launch. <laughs> yeah, it was a ride. You weren't ex-Lehman, you lost your Lehman job and said, I'm gonna RJ Metrics. That wasn't your case, right? <laughs> no,
1: I was, uh, my co-founder and I were in finance in New York. We worked over at uh, Insight Venture Partners, the oh, venture yeah. capital firm. But uh, the Lehman thing was a very unfortunate coincidence.
0: Yeah, all right, so the reason I wanna have you on is gonna, you did a great post-mortem on this, which ties into your new current company, Crossbeam, related to kind of being a, a true platform versus just like, you're not really a platform, but you use the word market. Your platform and your marketing. So yeah. talk to us what happened with RJ. You launched the company. What happened over time? Yeah. So we, when we started that company, you know, SaaS was kind
1: of in its infancy and the model at that time was very much around building these big monolithic platforms. So, you know, you want to build something that will be a one-stop shop where the end user doesn't have to worry about all the Uh, The ops stuff going on in the background, you just kind of click a few buttons, you get the value out and you move on. And for analytics, that's actually a lot of pieces. So RJ Metrics, to make it work, we had to build a huge data pipeline infrastructure where we could extract data from all the places that people's data might live, like their shopping carts and their advertising platforms uh, and their backend databases then we also had to have a place to put that data. So we had to build a, a data warehouse that would house all that data when we pulled it out that could live on our infrastructure that we could worry about scaling and making sure the queries were fast. And then we had to build all the stuff you think about when you think of analytics, which is the dashboards and all of the components that allow you to make custom reports and have alerts and things like that. So it was kind of this three-part stack. And it worked great in certain industries, particularly in e-commerce, but as the market evolved, and because we were a company that was bootstrapped at first and around for, for a pretty long time, we kind of got almost lapped on the technology side in that there were pieces of that stack where entirely new generations of technology came out that actually broke the stack apart and made the best practice completely different from an implementation standpoint. And probably the biggest thing in that world was this thing called Amazon Redshift, which is a data warehousing platform that makes it really easy to quickly and scalably store large amounts of data in the cloud. Um, Redshift and later Google BigQuery and companies like Snowflake innovated on this model. And basically, if you think about that data warehouse as being like in the middle of the stack, what RJ Metrics was— It broke our stack right in half because no one wanted to use our little piece of a data warehouse that we built for analytics. They wanted to have their data in their Redshift cloud in AWS or in their their GCP cloud. Um, And you didn't uh, build those
0: integrations.
1: Yeah. So what what we ended up doing um, is really kind of uh, hunkering down. And what we watched happen was... We really just started selling just to the markets where they didn't have as much as a, of an investment in owning that stack themselves. And it took us from a world where we were trying to sell to every company that sold anything on the internet, down, 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 down to like specialty
0: retail by the time, <laughs> uh, you know, we ended up selling the company and look, what? that's
1: a big vertical, uh, but you yeah. know, it was not a multi-billion dollar outcome.
0: So to give people context, what year did you sell RJ metrics to Magento? 2016 that deal happened. Okay. What month do you remember? June, 2016. Okay. So guys, to give you context, episode 233 of the show, Robert K- or Bob came on, this was February, Bob of 2016. Way oh, that's back, amazing. This is way back <laughs> in the day. So, <laughs> yeah, and
1: you know, I probably wasn't talking about any of this stuff. Uh, no, you weren't, crazy, but I want
0: to, I think perspective is important to understand history, right? So when you came yeah. on the show, then you had shared that you had about um, 11, oh, sorry, 400 customers, $800 yeah. a month average ACV had just passed about 4 million bucks in ARR, about a hundred people. All that sound about right. 22 million raised. Yeah, I think
1: we were, um, the ARR was a couple million bucks higher by the time we sold it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the ballpark.
0: Okay. So you, you so, so two things are happening here. You're exiting to June in 2016 and there's another thing called stitch that comes off this. So I want to get to stitch yeah. in a second, but uh, wrap up the Magento story. Was it public? What, what, what the sale price was? Uh, it was not public no. okay, so it was private, but you had raised twenty four million to date, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay, and doing somewhere between four and ten million in ARR at that point. yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. so it was I would say uh, a classic like base hit uh, didn't knock it out of the park, but we were we were
0: happy with the outcome. yeah, not, not a not you don't own a private jet, but uh, you're 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 not also worried about where you're getting food from tonight. <laughs> yes, there you, there you go. go. very good. All right, stitch. what what is it? How did it kind of spin out? Yeah, so if you think about that stack I was talking about before, so we had the data pipelines, we had the data warehouse, and then
1: we had the cool charts and graphs. When the data warehousing industry shifted, what we had were kind of like the two other ends of the thing. And one of them was this really cool data pipeline infrastructure that, if you think about what data pipelines are, at their core, it's really just a way to get data out of certain systems and placed into other locations in a way that scales where the end customer doesn't have to worry about you know rewriting a script every time somebody's API changes. We built a system that allowed us to support that kind of data connectivity for dozens and dozens and dozens of SaaS tools. And when we sold to Magento, uh, they weren't particularly interested in getting data from dozens and dozens of SaaS tools nearly as much as they were about getting data from Magento. Um, You know, we, we became Magento Business Intelligence there and Really focused in on helping Magento customers get better analytics out of um, out of their e-commerce data. So we were we had this leftover piece of technology that was the data pipeline stuff. Should people and think about
0: that like like a version of MuleSoft or Zapier or Yeah, it's a
1: great. I mean, uh, the fact that Talend was the acquirer is is a really great kind of proxy for that, which is kind of in that that data integrations universe. So. Making the plumbing that allows all of your cloud-connected systems and uh, on-premise systems to talk to each other, to have data parity, be correct, and to help your analytics have data flowing in the right places at the right time. Uh, so, if you're a good example too, is like if you're using a tool like Looker as a business intelligence platform, the question is how did the data get to Looker? Because Looker doesn't actually, you know, go out and you know, manage hundreds and hundreds of little scripts that run and pull data out of all your little uh, services and locations. That's the kind of thing that an ETL tool will do. And that's extract, transform, load. And that's what Stitch is. Stitch is this kind of core ETL. Um, So yeah, so we really, we had this leftover thing from RJ Metrics and we were able to negotiate in the Magento deal that we retained ownership of it. So we actually just took that, uh, rebranded it as Stitch Data. Jake took over as CEO while I was at Magento for the earnout, and uh, basically built this business up um, off of this core technology and
0: team that we had started with. So did you have to give any of that? So the Stitch rollout, you said negotiated kind of this piece your own. Did Magento have any equity in Stitch? No, they didn't. Did your early investors that put 24 million bucks into RJ, did any of them have equity in Stitch? Yeah, they did. So okay. it, it, you could almost think of it as like, you know, Everybody owned that. I, everybody that was in the cap table
1: uh, for RJ had had kind of a stake in Stitch because it was effectively, you know, a mini RJ that was kind of carbon copied out. So um, yeah, the, the cap table of Stitch ended up looking a lot like the cap table uh, RJ at the time of
0: yep. sale. And, and what did give me? Can you give me a general sense of what you scaled Stitch to, to total t- number team? I think you stayed bootstrapped, right? Yeah, we didn't put any new
1: net new capital into the business. Uh, When it got acquired, I think the team was in the 30s. um, And from a like magnitude standpoint, it was almost the same size that RJ Metrics was when we sold it. So oh, in wow, twenty eight okay. months, we grew Stitch up to about what it took eight years to get to get RJ.
0: To. So again, somewhere between four and ten million bucks in ARR. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. And then Talent twenty eighteen, they did publish this. It was kind of a sixty million dollar cash deal, correct? Yep, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So then after you've learned all this platform ecosystem, how does stuff get into Looker? How's it not? You got a text message when Looker sold to Google for two point six billion dollars. What was the text message?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Jake said. Uh, uh, I forget who said what, but one of us texted the other like, hey, uh, Looker just got bought for 2.6 2. billion. And the consensus was basically like, uh, we fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, they, they won uh, hands down um, with, with that number.
0: Yeah. And that was Jake. That was obviously co-founder at RJ and obviously at Stitch sends you that June 6th at 1022 (laughs) AM and you're going, ah, we messed up. So, so you've learned all this. Now you've launched Crossbeam, right? So how are, how you launched Crossbeam in 2018. You raised, I think 12, uh, 15 million total, mainly from first mark. What are you building in a Crossbeam that RJ didn't have? Yeah,
1: so Crossbeam really is a platform to help companies build a a go-to-market layer on top of these uh, technology partner ecosystems that they have. So, um, you know, what RJ didn't really have was an ability to hook into other platforms in a way where it helped create value that flowed in both directions. RJ was almost like where your data went to die. Like, we pulled data in from all these systems and we analyzed it, but the outputs of our system didn't really go anywhere. You just kind of came to RJ and consumed what RJ created. In the modern SaaS economy, that is kind of a, a very antiquated way to look at things. Stitch, on the other hand, is almost the exact opposite, right? It's all ecosystem, no glory. Stitch pulls data in from one SaaS tool and pushes it out to another SaaS tool, and it's just kind of like the plumbing in between. And ironically, we ended up building you know, a lot more value at a much more rapid clip uh, at Stitch. And it's because the maturity of the API economy and all the interoperability of all these SaaS platforms has created basically a new channel, a new growth channel for SaaS businesses, which is selling through and building market through your partners and all the different companies that your technology integrates with that you help make their products more valuable and they help make your products more valuable through integrations uh, and through... You know, being able to basically play nicely with the data that uh, you create and with uh, the people that you work with. So uh, the question that was always at hand for us was, how do you actually scale that? Um, You can say a lot of really good things about partnerships and how companies work together, but how do you actually point back and say, 36% of my revenue last quarter was driven by my partner ecosystem. How do you make sure that you're turning these relationships into new leads, you're accelerating opportunities, you're making your existing customers more sticky and making those accounts grow? What Crossbeam is doing is unlocking the data layer that can allow companies to do that. You can almost think of us as like an escrow service for data, where if you want to answer questions like, how many customers do we have in common, and who are they? Or are my sales reps currently selling to any of the same companies that your sales reps are selling to? That's a really hard set of questions to answer in the past without oversharing data. And oversharing data is not something that companies are uh, very interested in doing right now. Uh, nor should they be. What Crossbeam allows you to do is we are we're kind of like Switzerland. We sit in between two companies that are partnered. Both sides connect their data and they can actually analyze the combined data set to find these overlaps, to find these opportunities to collaborate while keeping all the rest of their data private and secure.
0: Very and interesting. It, that so, just
1: unlocks all these new
0: motions. So follow up question on that first, but scale-wise today, I mean, are you talking like you're early and like five beta customers enterprise or you're at like 5,000 people using a freemium model?
1: <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in the middle. So we've got over a hundred companies that are like fully onboarded on the platform. Pay, they're a really paying. A chunk of them are paying us now. Okay. Uh, so like there's there's real revenue there. Um, you know, when we raised the series A, we were pre-revenue still. So that was just three months ago. Um, but, uh, we've got a, we've got a really solid quarter on converted customers and we're kind of like firing up the revenue engines now, but it's, it's still early days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think, what do we have? We have like 10 days left in 2019. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what, did you guys set a revenue target for this year? I'm trying to get a sense of how fast you go from zero to a million in ARR.
1: Yeah, I so if we hit our targets, it'll be six-ish, nine-ish months total. We'll get us from zero to a million. Okay, got Um, it. And I, I think we're based on this quarter, we're pacing toward that. So it'll be like April next year, something like that. Uh, yeah, that would be, I mean, it'd be a slam dunk, but I think it's doable. Uh, I think that that's like, uh, if things, you know, continue to go according to plan.
0: Fair enough. Okay. So let me, let me just tell a story real quick. So there's a lot of BD teams at like Salesforce, uh, or, or Intuit that use their app exchanges to basically go after M and a targets, right? If you do really well in their app store, they'll buy you, but those companies let's use the Smartsheet into Intuit example, Mark Mater, right from Smartsheet, doesn't want to share all of his data with Intuit without knowing if it's actually going to happen. Is that a good use case Intuit and smart? Sheet will use you to see where they overlap. Yeah, this literally happened to me when we were selling RJ to Magento because we had other
1: potential buyers and all the buyers wanted to see our full customer list before they gave us a term sheet. But they don't care about the whole customer list. They just want to know about the ones that overlap with their customers. So that exact use case. So MA, Corp Dev due diligence even during venture investments. It's a whole category of use cases um, that's in the solutions part of our website. Um, I don't love it as much as the day-to-day sales enablement stuff because it's less recurring, but the value proposition is, is very real.
0: Yeah, really. Okay, wait. So just to be clear, I mean, as you scale, do you think you're going to build a bigger business selling into BD teams and potential acqui- like companies being acquired or it's the sales? it's the sales use case?
1: I think it's the go to market. I think it's the whole go to market funnel. So it's, it's marketing sales and kind of account management, customer success. Um, there's really clear cut recurring use cases for all of those, uh, that sit within our stack.
0: So I think that's really, that's the, that's the primary, uh, method of growth and the big recurring use case. Interesting. Okay, um, for people listening right now that want to they, they you know in their seed deck they said we're a platform, we're a platform because they thought <laughs> it would juice their valuation. But they know deep in their hearts they're not actually a platform yet, and they're going shit. How do we actually build what we just sold? H- how do you actually become a true platform, not just one that you use in your branding?
1: Yeah, and I would like I would also just challenge the idea. Like, do you want to be a true platform? Like, Bill, Bill Gates has this definition of a platform that I like, which is that the economic activity that gets generated as a result of you existing. Um, in your partner ecosystem, is actually greater than the economic activity that you generate for yourself. Like at that point in time, you kind of like the fulcrum has has tipped, and you are in platform territory. But in reality, you know, a platform in theory is this this fundamental layer that stuff gets built on top of. What we're seeing out in the market is that the big success stories. You look at companies like Zoom, companies like Slack. You know, the the latest IPO crop in SaaS. I would argue that very few of them are. Like true platforms, what they really are is super nodes inside of a really healthy ecosystem. Uh, It's not that people are just building on top of them. It's that they are building on top of people who are then building back on top of them. And there's a fluidity and a bidirectionality to how that works that makes the whole platform metaphor kind of moot and kind of outdated. And I think honestly, VCs are getting skeptical of that. Like you see the platform word in a seed stage deck and I think an eyebrow gets raised.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I keep an eye out for that. Okay. Let me, let me try and let me try and learn something here. So let's stick with video conferencing for a second. Uh, You would call Slack a super node or sorry, zoom a super node, right? Building a healthy ecosystem. Can you name a platform company that you think is a platform company in the video conferencing space?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I honestly, I, I jumped to saying no, and the main reason is like when you think of that Bill Gates definition. The question is: Are there companies that would literally would not exist if not for having completely been built on top of uh, you know Uber Conference or or you know you go to the big enterprise side, kind of the the go to meeting side of the universe? And in, in that regard, I think almost by definition, the vertical of video conferencing is inherently an ecosystem-centric product because what you have is sales enablement on one side, and then you have kind of communication and team collaboration on the other. It's not that you build a whole collaboration suite SaaS product on top of a single video conferencing platform. Almost anybody that wants to build on a video conferencing will build on multiple of them. And therefore, none of them can be the platform with a capital P that they're built on top of. Um, When I think of platforms, I think of like you know, Amazon web services. I think Salesforce is a platform, uh, because their, their app store is a true, true, uh, there are companies that are entirely existent because the only thing they do is provide technology on top of Salesforce. And that, those are platform powered companies.
0: On that, Bob, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book.
1: Oh, uh, I really right now am actually a big crossing the chasm fan. Like it holds up. It, it like it keeps coming back in my life. That book will not go away. It's the uh, only one, could. by
0: the way. It's the only one that is like in that space where you look at it and you go, "This little orange cover and this crossing, <laughs> the gate. it is still viable two decades later. It's still true. It's not fluff. Yeah, yeah. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Oh, uh, I'm a huge uh, Elon Musk fan. Uh, I think for many, many reasons, but I like the idea of like you know, in your second or third generation of companies, like really taking that step back and saying, "What will my great, 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 great Grandkids be glad I worked on, um, and I, you know, I think about that a lot. Uh, and I think he's he's taken probably one of the most awesome approaches to that.
0: Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building Crossbeam?
1: Oh, I have really enjoyed. Ah, um, uh, I'm like a Superhuman addict, to be honest. Uh, superhuman is big in in my day to day. I think it's probably the tool that I spend the most time in. But the the has also somehow saved me the most time, uh, simultaneously. And that's an interesting paradox. Number number four, how many hours of sleep you get every night? Uh, I just, I have a three month old at home. Uh, so it's a bad time to ask me that question. Uh, but I still like six is kind of the gold standard for me less than that. I'm I'm not super functional. So six to eight.
0: Okay. And you got a little kid. So one kid, two, how many kids? Well, that's my first, uh, my daughter, Annie, she is uh, yeah three months old. Wow. Okay. So married a kiddo. How old are you? I am 36 as sure. of a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. All right. Take us home. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, uh, listen more.
1: Um and be as intellectually honest as humanly possible because uh, the things that aren't going right are the things that will probably turn into the best things you can possibly, uh, you know, have as outputs a couple years down the road.
0: I thought you were going to say that Looker would sell for $2.6 <laughs> billion. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: start Looker. <laughs> Whatever you do, just just start Looker. Well, guys, on that note, it, sounds, it
0: sounds like it did again. Bob Moore launched 2000, in 2008 RJ Metrics, raised, raised $24 bucks. eventually acquired by Magento in June of 2016. They were doing somewhere between 4 and $10 bucks in AR. They spun out a piece of tech uh, Magento didn't value called Stitch, bootstrapped that up to about 30 people another 4 to 10 million bucks in ar acquired by talent in 2018 for 60 million through all this he learned the importance of what it means to build a healthy platform ecosystem or ecosystem around your tool and built crossbeam essentially escrow service for data launched in 2018 about 15 million raised 80 ish to 100 paying customers hoping to hit a million bucks in ar by april 2020 bob thanks for taking us to the top hey thank you good roundup